Hey there, you're listening to the Business of Baking podcast. I'm Michelle Green and I'm going to be chatting today all about raising a family and raising a business at the same time. In particular, I wanted to chat to you about the stuff that get me kind of sane while raising my kids. You know, I started when my kids uh, were two years old. I've got triplets and I raised them alongside my business. So today we're going to talk top tips for managing both being a mom of a business and a mom of kids. You're listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. So in today's chat, I wanted to talk about the things that I did which kind of made life easier for me as a parent and made life easier for me as a business owner. I should warn you in advance, though, that while I am American, I did uh, raise my kids here in Australia, so I tend to use the words mom and mum interchangeably. It's not that I've lost my mind. It's that they sometimes call me one and sometimes call me the other. And I sometimes refer to myself as one and they refer to me as the other. So I thought I'd share just a couple of things which really made a difference to my life while I was raising them and and while they were small in particular. And you know, a lot of these things I think still apply today. In fact, it's really the kind of stuff that is timeless. And you might find this stuff actually kind of useful, even if you're not a parent, it's just kind of useful stuff, really. So some of this is a little bit more practical and some of it is a bit more emotional, I suppose. And I think that when we own a small business, it's exceptionally challenging to try to separate those two out. In fact, I wouldn't even bother trying to separate those two out. What we do for a living is so emotional. It's so high touch. You know, we are involved in other families' lives at the important moments of their life. And I think it's it's hard to separate the emotion out of what we do for a living. And because what we make is a is a high-touch artistic item, we take it really personally when people say they either like it or don't like it. And that's emotion. That's not product. That's emotion. So it's really hard to separate those two things. So my first top tip, and honestly, the thing which I think saved me more time and sanity than anything else was actually meal planning. And this is not new news. I'm not the first business person to tell you that meal planning is a good plan. But for us, it saved us an enormous, and I mean enormous, amount of time and money. And when I say my sanity, I'm not kidding. I couldn't stand it when my kids would say to me at the end of the day, Mom, what's for dinner? What are we having? What are we eating? It's probably one of the most annoying questions I think children ask. <laughs> and I hated it that they would ask me that all the time. So by meal planning, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about how I actually did that, but meal planning actually saved me from that what's for dinner question because I just trained them to look at the fridge, which is where the menu lived, and they could answer that question themselves. And I got very good at them saying, mom, what's for dinner? And my answer was, I don't know, look on the fridge. The thing about meal planning is that the reason I liked it so much and, and continue to do it, by the way, even though my kids can now cook dinner for me, is that the decision has already been made. So I don't need to waste time or effort thinking about this stuff. I don't need to stand there looking into the abyss of my fridge or my pantry and kind of like give that big sigh like, ugh. 
I don't know. I can see all these ingredients, but I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to make. Now, I do have a little bit of a competitive advantage here because I'm a trained chef. And so for me, it's not that hard to kind of come up with stuff. And I have been known to create an entire meal out of like a can of tuna and three saltines and an olive. But I don't really like having to do that. I don't really like having to stand there and figure it out. And to be honest, when you stand there and it's the end of the day and you've worked really hard, maybe you've got a job in addition to your cake job and you've got to look at all this stuff and go like, what do I want to make today? Hmm, I don't know. It's just annoying. And the easier answer is to go, I don't know, let's just get pizza or whatever than it is to actually meal plan. Now, food is something that's really important to me. I both like to cook it and I like to eat it. And I also have some pretty strong feelings about families eating dinner together at the dinner table, wherever that's possible. That's how I grew up and how my husband grew up and how we wanted to raise our children. So while it would be nice to kind of have pizza every night, actually, you know, scratch that. I don't think it'd be that nice. <laughs> I don't like pizza that much. So while it'd be nice to have t- out every night, let me call it that. It just wasn't an option for me as a family. We simply, we couldn't afford to eat like that. And I didn't want to eat like that. It wasn't really the kind of parenthood I envisaged for my kids. So I started out, uh, you should know, by the way, that most of the parenting decisions I make, people think I'm some sort of like parenthood savant or something. In reality, it's just all born out of laziness. So I started meal planning really simply. I took a piece of paper, I divided it into three columns and then across we had seven rows. So it was three weeks worth of meal planning. Now this is going to sound super daunting. You're going to be like, Michelle, I can't even do one week. How do I do three weeks? So this is how I did it. I had put those days in there and I started out meal planning really simply by just filling in easy stuff, stuff that didn't require much thinking. So things like pasta and salad or things like tacos or stir fries or whatever. No recipes, just stuff that I knew I could cook without much effort. And that's how I started meal planning, really simply deciding what we were going to have. Now, when my kids were little, this was way easier than it is now because now I'm juggling things like, you know, this one has scouts and that one has, you know, basketball and this one has some other sport and this one has, you know, the after school play or whatever. And so it's a lot harder now to meal plan. But when they were little, it was literally just a matter of filling in those squares and putting in stuff that was easy and fast for me to cook that I knew the kids would like. And obviously us adults would like too. Now, over time, I learned way more tricks about meal planning. So as an example, these days, I try a lot harder to balance our meals. I like to make sure that we have one vegetarian meal a week. So I know that one of those seven boxes in each of those weeks is going to have a vegetarian meal. I try to make sure that we have fish at least once a night, one night a week. So same thing. I try to make sure that I put fish on there one night a week. And the other lesson I learned is actually not to meal plan for all seven days. And the reason that is because I tried doing that and I found that on the weekends, I'd get really annoyed at having to make what was on that list because on the weekends, I tended to have a little bit more time and a little bit more freedom. And also our lives were not as regimented. You know, dinner might be a little bit earlier, a little bit later, we might go out or whatever. So I actually modified my meal planning so that I now only really meal plan Monday to Friday. And if there's something special I want to try, or I know we've got, you know, friends coming or whatever, I might meal plan a weekend. But these days, it's not even all seven days. It's just five days. So you don't even need all seven slots on that piece of paper. And by the way, I'm not even joking when I say that I started this. No joke. I started this with a piece of notebook paper and a pencil and some lines drawn on it. That's it. Nothing fancy. You didn't download any menus, didn't create anything like that's it. Piece of paper. 
because I started by using stuff that I knew how to cook or that was easy or whatever, it wasn't that hard to meal plan. It was like, okay, let's have tacos and whatever. It was stuff I was already cooking on other nights of the week. But by putting it into this little piece of very fancy (laughs) notebook paper, I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to plan. And then what would happen is on Saturdays or Sundays, whenever we would go to do the supermarket shopping, just take the menu and use that to build my menu, sorry, to build my shopping list for the week. I still, 13 odd years later, do it the exact same way. I use that list of what we're going to have this week to create my shopping list. I really used to get really frustrated when stuff would rot in the fridge because I just never used it. It was so wasteful to me and it was costing us so much money and I could just see you know, money going down the drain or in that at that time being eaten by the guinea pigs because we had, we had guinea pigs that used to like eat all our scraps. It was just such a waste, you know? And so that's how I started. Basically, meal planning at its simplest form is just deciding in advance what you're going to have. And in those early days when I did it without much rules, I would just, it would take, I don't know, 10 minutes on a Sunday night, but save me hours of staring into that fridge or staring into that pantry trying to figure out what's next. And to me, a 10 minute investment for saving 10 or 20 minutes every single night over the course of the week is well worth it. As time went on, um, I got kind of sick of my same old, same old things that I cook all the time, as anybody would. And so I started introducing more complicated I guess you'd say they're rules, uh, more complicated rules into what we ate. So I told you guys about like one vegetarian night a week and one fish night a week, but I also wanted to, I love to cook. And so I wanted to challenge myself. So I started getting um, cooking magazines. Again, nothing fancy, really basic, like Family Circle, like Recipes Plus, like Superfood Ideas, like even the Oprah magazine, really anything that had simple family-friendly recipes in it. And I started putting in at least one night a week where I was trying something new. As my kid got kids got older, my time got a lot easier because I wasn't kind of running around after them. And so I could afford to experiment a little bit more. So I started putting in new recipes. And my tip for that is if you want to try something new, the way I would do it is I'd write in what the recipe was. I don't know, let's say spinach lasagna or whatever. And I'd put in the magazine, the issue, and the page that it was on. So it will literally say spinach lasagna, family circle magazine, August 2017 edition, page 35. And that sounds super dorky, but again, this is born of laziness. I do not want to have to spend my time flicking through time to remember which magazine I got it from or what page that recipe is meant to be on. So you can create as many rules as for this as you like. You know, every Tuesday is always mac and cheese or whatever. I don't really care. The point is that you sit on a Sunday night and you plan it. Now, the advantage of doing it three weeks, and by the way, in case you're wondering why I did three weeks instead of two weeks or instead of eight weeks or instead of whatever, is because three weeks was how many columns I could fit on there that my handwriting was would fit in the boxes. No, do you love how technical this is? Seriously, this was it. Like the laziest meal planning you've ever heard of, but it saved me an enormous amount of time and money too, because I didn't end up buying stuff that went off. So you can meal plan for as long as you like, but the three week thing I find works really well for us. Well, my handwriting still fits, which is nice, but it's also because that way I'm not having to set aside time every week to meal plan. So maybe that 10 minutes gets extended out to 15 or 20 minutes, but then I don't have to do it for the next two weeks. So again, it's time saved. And I'll let you in on a little secret. I taught my kids how to meal plan too, so that now it's not all unusual for me to say to one of the kids, hey, want to plan the menu? And they will sit down and plan the menu. I should say, if you're not a cook and you don't like doing stuff like this and you don't have kind of regular recipes, you can follow a bit of a formula. And by that, I mean, 
every night would have something like, so one of the things I struggle with was side dishes all the time. So I used to have this thing where every night I had to have a main protein of some kind, be that meat or fish or whatever it was, lentils, whatever, a main protein of some kind. There was almost always at least one or two vegetables and there was usually a carbohydrate of some kind. Now, I know these days everybody's anti-carbs, but this plan works for me. So if we're going a meat, a carb, and a couple of vegetables, it might be something like lamb chops and rice, green beans, and broccoli. Pretty simple, pretty healthy, and that way everybody got their food groups pretty much met. The only one missing from that is dairy which, hey, give your kid a glass of milk. I, we never had dessert um, growing up, and we, we don't have it at home now either unless it's a weekend or a special thing or I've you know cut up some watermelon. But you could, of course, if you wanted to, include dessert as well. I mean, hey, I'm talking to cake makers. I feel like dessert every night is scraps, right? So meal planning made my life as a business owner and my life as a mom way, way, way easier on a number of different levels. And I really recommend it, but don't feel like you have to get super technical. Seriously, piece of paper, notebook paper and pencil and off you go. The second thing that really made a difference to my life as a business owner is that I didn't try that hard to separate my kids from my business. So I'm not talking about boundaries. I think boundaries are really, really important. But what I mean by that is I didn't try to pretend they didn't exist. And I let my kids be a part of it. And so if I was talking to a client and my kid was yelling in the background, I would say, I'm so sorry. It's really hard to hear you right now. My son is just having a little bit of a tantrum. Can I call you back? I didn't lock myself in a bathroom and try to talk to her standing in the shower or anything like that. I just let my kids be a part of my business. Now, obviously it was in professionally appropriate ways, but I didn't try to pretend that I was a mom. And I have to say that being out and loud and proud about it actually got me more business because people used to read on my website's about page that I was a mom of triplets. And I'd often get the order because people wanted to support a mom in business. And why not, really? I had mouths to feed and they were grateful that I was still able to provide them with the products they wanted. So this worked exceptionally well for me, I have to say. So I let my kids be a part of it in professionally appropriate ways, but I also let them be a part of it in practical ways too. So as an example, if I had to tie ribbons on a thousand cookie orders or whatever, my kids would come and tie ribbons with me. They'd chat to me, we'd put the radio on and we'd tie ribbons together. If I had to put stickers on the back of a whole bunch of boxes, or in fact, if I had to build a whole bunch of boxes, because I like to have uh, boxes mostly built, you know, I teach them how to build boxes and they would spend time with me in the kitchen and in the shop and they would do stuff that's appropriate for kids to do and that they were able to do based on their age. So little kids can put on stickers. You know, they can do all kinds of stuff. Older kids can do stuff like pipe cupcakes. Not that hard for kids to learn how to do that. Or they can sift sugar. Oh, Every kid likes to sift, right? And make a mess at the same time. But there was so many jobs that I could get my kids to do and to be a part of it where, yeah, okay, having them in the kitchen sometimes slowed me down. And yes, I had to remind them a lot to wash their hands and all this kind of stuff. But by letting my kids be a part of it, they got to watch me in action. They got to be in my life. They got to be in in the life of the business. And, you know, they got to kind of feel like they owned it a little bit. You know, they, they, they had ownership of it. My kids became, and to this day, I think, remain immensely proud of what I achieved with my cake business and, and now with the blog and love being a part of it. 
And actually in a future podcast, I'm going to get my kids to come on with me and, and talk about what it's like to be the kid of a small business uh, on Earth ship. So we're going to we're going to make that happen. I think we try so hard to kind of hide it. We try to hide the fact that we have our kids around. And I think we don't need to hide it. I don't think that's necessary. I think it's kind of awesome to have them as part of our lives and part of our business lives. So, you know, include them on your about page on your website when you explain who you are and what you do. Use photos of them on social media where they're eating their own birthday cakes. Put a picture of the first cake you ever made for them and as embarrassing as that is <laughs> and all. And I think really make them a part of it as much as you can. Now, obviously, we don't want them running around sticking their grubby fingers into finished cakes or anything like that. But as much as you can make them a part of it, let them be a part of it. My daughter, Claire, used to do dance for many, many years. And often is the time when she would come with me to stack cupcakes on cupcake stands in her ballet outfit, in her, in her ballerina gear. She would come with me to get it done. And can I tell you, because she had small hands, she was way better at putting those cupcakes on a stand way faster than I ever was. And, you know, she also looked at it with a more critical eye than I did. So if things didn't look quite right, she'd often say to me, oh, mom, I don't think that's quite right. You need to turn it around or whatever. So Make your kids a part of it as much as you can. Don't try so hard to separate it. I'm going to talk a little bit later about about boundaries and standards and things. But in general, I think it's not a bad thing if we're teaching our kids what it's like to be in business. This next tip is something that I think some people will either hate me for or some people will either love me for. (laughs) I guess it's all about being honest. And I think that I had to learn the very difficult lesson that I had to expect that my business progress was going to take longer than I wanted it to. I was impatient and I was frustrated by my lack of time and my lack of money, which was directly related to my kids, right? You know, I couldn't grow my business like crazy. I wanted to, and I couldn't. I love my job. I love to work. Yes, I love being a mother too, but I really love what I do. And I felt often hindered by the fact that I had kids, right? Because I kept thinking, well, if I didn't have them, then I could spend more money on this business or more time on this business or whatever. And so I had to learn that because I was a parent, my business progress was slower than what I would have liked or slower than what I would have planned. And that was kind of a hard thing because I found myself constantly impatient. I mean, in general, I'm quite impatient. But in the end, when I look at it now, and I recently wrote a blog post about this too, which which I'll put in the show notes. But in the end, I kind of learned that, you know what? It wasn't such a bad decision that things went slowly. It really wasn't because it allowed me the freedom to be at work when I needed to be at work, to be a mom when I needed to be a mom. And I guess I sort of feel like you're never going to get their childhood back right? You're going to get time to start a business and grow a business or whatever. That's all going to happen. Cake is going to be popular for a long time yet, you know, or or whatever craft or food item it is you make. That's going to be popular for a long time yet. So I don't think you necessarily need to stress out about how much time it's taking. And I, I think I wasted a lot of time stressing out about that, you know. In the end, the decision I came to and was based on a lot of factors, but in the end, the decision I came to is yes, Being a mom means that I can't spend as much time and money on my business, but the joy that my kids bring me sort of made that slowness worth it. It drove me crazy because I love being a business owner and I love being a working mom and I love the working part (laughs) very much. But I had to kind of learn that, you know what, they're going to slow me up, but that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. As long as they weren't stopping me from doing it, that was the important thing to me. My kids' lives are of the utmost importance to me and I love and adore them and I'm so glad that I have them and anybody who's met me in real life knows that my my kids are my heart for sure. 
But I also am a person outside of being a mother and owning a business or even working in general was and is very, very important to me. And I had to learn the lesson that if I wanted both of those things in my life, it just meant that one thing was a little bit slower, but it never stopped me. My achievements might've been maybe not as quick as I wanted them to be, maybe not as spectacular as I wanted them to be, but the fact is I was still doing it and I was still being a mom at the same time. And that's the important thing to me. But I think the the kind of tip is just expect that being a mom and being a business owner sometimes means that you have to sacrifice one for the other in both directions. Sometimes you're sacrificing the kids for the business and sometimes you're sacrificing the business for the kids. It's just kind of how life works. You know, it's always a bit of checks and balances. So the next tip I have for you for keeping your life and your family life and your business life, it looks like three things. It's like your family life, your business life, your normal life, all going is to kind of Learn to adapt or I guess reassess your standards. Now, I'm not saying like you now need to live in a pit if previously you've never lived in a pit. I'm just saying you just kind of need to look at how things are going and make some pretty reasonable decisions about how we're going to change things around here. If, and, and, you know, especially if it's not working for you, like if you find yourself burnt out and exhausted and you're like, I just cannot keep up this standard of living all the time or this standard of working all the time. You know, I'd hope you do this before you burn out, but even if you're doing it after you burn out, you really need to take the time to actually kind of revisit your standards and decide what you're going to do. When, before my kids were born, I had these visions of like what motherhood was going to be like. I was going to like feed them organic food and I was going to like soothe them and they were going to, I don't know, cry it out. I don't know, whatever, like attachment parenting. I was going to do like all this great stuff, right? I was going to make their food from scratch and I was going to do all kinds of crazy, amazing things as a parent. And then I got handed these like three wiggling, giggling, squirming balls of love. And I was like, wait a minute. I have two arms and two legs and they have six arms and six legs. I am outnumbered here and this is never going to work. And I got to the point where I was like, man, if we wake up in the morning and everyone is clean and everyone is happy, that's a good day. In fact, that's a great day because everybody's clean. (laughs) Like if there are some days where nobody's clean, but they're all alive, that's good. I'm happy with that. And I was so exhausted from looking after them, let alone looking after myself and a household and a partner and whatever else was going on that things just got kind of crazy. And I realized that I couldn't necessarily maintain the standards that I wanted to maintain before, right? And so, yeah, it meant that not every meal was gourmet. This is before meal planning even, right? So not every meal was gourmet. The house was not nearly as tidy as it was before. Mind you, I'm no great shakes of a housekeeper to begin with. But at this point, you know, the toys explode all over the place. And once the toys explode all over the place, it gets harder and harder to to pick them up and clean them up and have them not take up space in your life. I think we forget that when you introduce something new, a new demand to our time, then that means that you know, time didn't magically expand to fit that thing in. It just means that there's a different demand on that same 24 hours. I mean, no matter how hard you look, it's not going to get any more than the 24 hours. And so if before we were spending, you know, eight hours sleeping, eight hours playing and eight hours at work, and now suddenly our playtime is replaced with a new job or a new business, then we've got, you know, eight hours of a new job, eight hours of our existing job and eight hours of sleep time. doesn't really leave a lot of room in there for cleaning, for playing, for all that kind of stuff. You know, you just can't suddenly do the same amount of work in, or more work in less time. And I think a lot of times we forget about that. You know, we get so wrapped up in the, I need to be the everything woman. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do the other. 
But the more things you add in your life and you pile them up and you pile them up and you pile them up, the less things you can actually fit into your life. You know, the the saying is, the cliche is true, you know, something's got to give, right? And sometimes that something is the standards that you've placed on yourself more than anybody else, right? So even with all the meal planning in the world and all the, all the organizing and whatever in the world, if one night it's got to be pizza, then it's got to be pizza. You know I mean? Stuff happens, right? So I'm not telling you lower your standards to like horrible levels and that suddenly nobody is showered or anything. I'm just saying that you might want to revisit the demands that you've placed on yourself. And they will be things that you've placed on yourself, not that other people have placed there and kind of go, you know, how necessary is it that, Every day I am at the gym for three hours. Is it okay if I'm there for an hour and a half? Whatever your thing is that's sucking up time. One of the interesting things, which is about small business ownership and small business ownership based at home, which I find really fascinating, is that people often start out, particularly cake, people start out with it as a hobby, right? It's the thing they do for fun in their free time. They love doing it. They did a class. People told them they were good at it, whatever. And then they turn this hobby into a business. And so the hours that used to be spent on free time, leisure time, having fun are now spent probably still having fun, but they're spent not so much in free time, not so much in leisure leisure time. And because we have clients who have expectations of what we will deliver and when we will deliver it, the freedom of that time has disappeared. It's no longer, oh, I can play around with cupcakes when I feel like it. It's, oh no, Thursday night, I have to make those hundred cupcakes because the client is picking them up Friday morning. And the kind of big fat obvious that I point out to people a lot of times is when your fun, leisure, hobby activity then becomes your business, you have now lost the time for a fun, leisure, hobby activity unless you readjust your standards. So it's unreasonable to expect that where previously you fit in a job and your kids and a hobby and all this other stuff in, once the hobby becomes a business, then that time has disappeared. You cannot magically create another hour or two in the day with which to take up yet another hobby. You just can't stretch that time. So either the business takes up less time or the work takes up less time or the kids take up less time or whatever, but ultimately you cannot stretch these things out any longer, even though you might really, really, really want to. And the final tip I've got for you guys, which is something that is admittedly a little bit of a work in progress for me, not a bad thing, really. I try to get better at this all the time. But the last thing that helped me manage being both a parent and the parent of a business was that I kept my promises. And let me just explain what I mean by that. I had pretty clear work and kid boundaries. Again, this wasn't about whether or not the kids could help or couldn't help. So let me let me just get into a bit more detail about this. Basically, work was work time and kid was kid time. And unless my kids were being a part of it, like I was explaining before with the tying ribbons on the bags or whatever, then it was kid time or it was work time. It was one or the other, not both. There was very little exceptions to this. I found that I was spending, I was just kind of like half doing everything. You know, I'd be talking to my, my, my clients on the phone while I'm sitting at the playground pretending to look at my kids when really I'm not. I'm scribbling an order on the back of like a dirty receipt or something. And I would be at my kids school play or whatever. And instead of watching them at the school play, I'm sitting in the, in the seat and I'm, I'm texting some client trying to pretend like I'm not that mom who's on her phone. Right. And I got to the point where I was just, I never felt like I was doing a good job at anything. I just felt like I was kind of sucky at everything. I wasn't, when I was with my kids, I wasn't really with my kids. When I was at work, I wasn't really at work. 
the only time I ever got away from that, by the way, is when I was actually making the product, making cake or making cookies or cupcakes or whatever, because it's really easy to get zen and lost in that. But my other issue is that when you feel like you're not giving 100% to anything, you feel like you're failing at everything, or at least I certainly did. And so I started to create slowly over time, I started to create some really, really clear work boundaries and really, really clear kid boundaries. So as an example, I would never answer my work phone on a Sunday. Ever. In fact, one of the very first things I did was get a second mobile phone so that one was my work number and one was my my personal number so that, yes, it meant I had to carry two phones in my handbag, but on Sunday, the work one got turned off. And things like Friday night dinner at my house is kind of a sacred time for us. And so Friday night dinner, I was home no matter what by six o'clock whatever, non-negotiable. And from six o'clock, I couldn't be involved in work. I had to be there for my kids. I had to be 100% in that space. If I needed to work at home, let's say answering emails or whatever, then I'd say to the kids, mom's going to work now between eight and 10. You can knock on the door if it's an emergency, but otherwise you can't pop in your head until 10 o'clock or whatever the time was. I got really, really clear about the boundaries between work time and kid time. Now I know when your kids are little, this is really challenging, really challenging because they don't understand boundaries so much when they're little. But I will say that the more I lived it, And the more they would respect it. I mean, kids actually inherently thrive in a defined environment, one that has some boundaries to it, some rules in it. Kids like knowing what the status quo is. Kids, in my experience, don't like knowing that, yeah, mom's here watching my game, but she's not really here watching my game. She's not paying attention to me, not really. You know, kids want our love and our attention. And if we're not giving it to them fully, then to them, we might as well kind of not really give it at all. At least that's how I felt about raising my kids. So. I kept my work boundaries and my kid boundaries really, really clear. And when it came time for me to be a mom, then I was 100% a mom. I was watching that school play. I was watching that basketball game. I was fully in it. And when the time came for me to be a business owner by my predefined times, then I was fully in it. I was not also trying to pretend like I was watching the Wiggles on TV or whatever it was. I gave whatever it was I had to give 100% of my attention. And the reason I say that this is a work in progress is because I had to really learn how to do this more effectively or differently as my kids have grown up. So when my kids were little, you know, they really craved that kind of one-on-one 100% attention. These days, my kids are teenagers and they still want that one-on-one attention. But when I'm ready to give it is not necessarily when they want to give it. So, you know, they're very busy Snapchatting and going out with friends and whatever. And just because I say, okay, it's kid time between six and eight at night doesn't mean that six and eight at night is when they're available. So I've kind of had to adjust what those boundaries are. But I've always kept my promises. So if I've told my daughters on Saturday, we're going to go shopping and buy you a new party dress, then on Saturday at noon or whatever, then on Saturday at noon, I'm out there buying a new party dress with them. And I found that the more I kept my promises to them, the easier it was to make them respect the boundaries of when I had to be at work and when I didn't have to be at work. And I never, by the way, I never promised anything kind of in a half-baked sort of way, right? I would never say, oh, I think on Tuesday at nine o'clock, I should have time for that because Tuesday at nine o'clock would come. And to be honest, whether I had the time or not, didn't matter. I would much rather be asleep or playing on my phone or doing other things. So I never gave kind of half promises. If I made a promise, my kids knew that I was as good as my word. If I said I was going to be there and I was going to be doing that thing, then I was there and I was doing that thing. And it really, it worked for us as a family and it continues to work as a family. It's not unusual for the kids to wander into my office and I will turn to them and say, something serious going on? Can I help you with something? And they'll kind of be like, no, I just want to know what's for dinner. Well, actually they don't ask me that anymore. (laughs) 
uh, or they'd ask me something innocuous and I'd say, guys, you know that it's work time now and I'll be done at eight o'clock. After that, ask me as many questions as you like. But until then, I need to be in here and concentrating. And you know what? They appreciate it because they know that when eight o'clock comes, the computer gets powered down, the door gets shut, and I'm fully 100% paying attention and in their world once again. I have to say that being a business owner is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've learned more about myself and other people and just life in general by doing it. But I will say that also being a mother is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've learned more about myself and other people and life in general by doing it. The thing about businesses and babies or toddlers, whatever you've got, or even teenagers, is that both of those things, both your children or your families and your businesses depend on you for their survival. Both of those things need your attention. Both of those things are things you probably chose to do and you want to spend time and love and money investing in because then it comes back to you, right? In in love and in money and whatever it is back to you again. So the important thing I think of all of this is the whole time I've run my, my first business and now my second business, I guess I always see it that I've had a choice to beat myself up about the things I didn't do or to be proud of the things I did do. And I didn't get it right all of the time. I continue to make mistakes probably daily, both as a business owner and as a parent. But I look at it as, well, I'm raising them, I'm raising this business, and I'm kind of raising me all at the same time. So if I can put into my life some things will just which just make it a little bit easier and maybe take that pressure off, then I don't need to waste time and energy beating myself up about all the stuff I didn't do. I don't expect perfection. I just expect that I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. And I hope that you know that it's totally okay to be imperfect. It's okay to be an imperfect business owner. It's okay to be an imperfect mother. It's okay to be an imperfect wife. The important thing to remember of all this is that you're out there and you're doing it. And you know what? Perfection isn't much fun anyway. So if this week it's pizza twice instead of once, if the house is a little bit dustier than you like, and if maybe you kind of fell asleep in the middle of your kid's dance recital and just between you and my me, those things are kind of boring. So I wouldn't blame you if you did. It's totally okay. Every day we're alive is another opportunity and another chance to do better or to different or just to be grateful that we're alive. Have a great week and thank you so much for listening. There'll be show notes on the website and I'm as always happy to hear from listeners of the blog and the podcast. You can reach me at michelle at thebizofbaking.com. I listen to and respond to every email you send because one of my business boundaries is making sure that I make the time to talk and to listen and to be a part of your everyday lives. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.